to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. It's a new week here on I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. You can interact with us via social media on our Facebook page at I Love Old Time Radio or on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. You can send feedback via our contact form on our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com or you can leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. If you enjoyed this program, please take the time to rate and review us at review.iloveoldtimeradio.com. I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday each day with a different theme. Monday's Crime Does Not Pay on The Shadow. This episode originally aired on February 20th, 1949, and here is Trail of the Nightford. Once again, we bring you the thrilling adventures of the shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Last year, in 1948, the American people ordered nearly three million care packages to be delivered to needy people overseas. Perhaps you were one of those who sent care packages. At any rate, we all know the tremendous need for food and clothing that still exists in war-torn countries. And that means right now, a child or a family overseas needs your help. Care provides the maximum amount of food for the cost in its 23-pound food package. And delivery is guaranteed. Total cost of care food or clothing textile package is $10. You may send your order to Nonprofit Care, 50 Broad Street, New York City, New York. And now, The Shadow. The Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds where they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Trail of the Knifer. <laughs> Why don't you answer me? Who are you? 
Why don't you turn on the lights, Miss Billison? And see. Are you so surprised to see me? Didn't you know the knifer was keeping the blade sharp? Razor sharp? For you, Miss Millicent. No! Oh, no! Knifer! Knifer, have mercy! Today may come when you yourself need mercy! Perhaps, Miss Millicent, but never from you! <laughs> okay, okay, that'll do. Uh, just a couple of suggestions the cast can break for the day. Uh, go a little easy on the laugh, Mr. Trevelyan. As you say, Kirk. And uh, you can make more of that last scream, Miss Lexington. Thank you, Mr. Kirk. You were a little late for that thunder cue, you know, Flaherty. Yeah, I guess they must have been wool gathering. Okay. Uh, you and Miss Lexington are dismissed now, Mr. Trevelyan. Thanks, sir. The crew stands by for a light rehearsal. And remember, tomorrow night we open. And that was the last rehearsal of the revival of The Trail of the Nighter, featuring the inimitable Trevelyan, aging star of horror plays of yesteryear. In spite of a series of mysterious mishaps during rehearsals, producer Edmund Girard was hoping desperately for a Broadway hit. Until on opening night, Richard Kirk, his brilliant young director, walked into his office. Mr. Gerard, I've yes. asked Mr. Trevelyan and Miss Lexington to stop in here on their way to their dressing room in case you have any last-minute suggestions. Oh, well, thanks, Kirk. Well, what did you think of the dress rehearsal yesterday? Uh, it was all right. All right? I thought it was great. I'm sorry, Kirk, it was great. As a director, you've done a magnificent job in the face of all the bad luck we've hit with this production. Well, it'll be okay now. Kirk, I... I don't think so. Okay, okay, even if you don't. Opening night is no time to be depressed. Boy, I know this will startle you, but... I'm seriously thinking of calling off the whole production. What? I've got a feeling. A feeling that we'll regret it to the end of our days if we don't. Nonsense. Look, I've sweated blood over this deal, and we're going through with it. What in the world's gotten into you? Look, lad. Last week at an auction, I bought the original copy of this play of ours... The Trail of the Nighter? Yes. Well, I haven't had time to glance at it, as you can well imagine. But last night, I took time and... And... Well, I found this handwritten note attached to the title page. Well, who wrote it? The author himself, obviously. Warning. It is my regrettable duty to inform all future producers that this play is a highly dangerous vehicle. Improbable as it may seem, the leading character is likely to come to life and create havoc with with a weapon that has nothing to do with the harmless make-believe of the scene. What in the world does this mean? I don't know. And I don't like to guess. Well, you're surely not going to let it upset you. It already has. I don't know why, but it, it fills me with a sense of terror, Kurt. Unaccountable and uncontrollable terror. Who is that? Remember the cast, probably. Oh, Miss Lexington, what's the name? Thank you, Mr. Kirk. Mr. Kirk thought you might have some suggestions to make about my performance, Mr. Gerard. Why, why, no. No, I don't have. I think your work is excellent. However, I... Well, Miss Lexington, I'm considering the possibility of canceling the tale of the night. Mr. Gerard! Well, you're not canceling it. What about the backers' money? The backers will understand. They know me as a dependable man. We're going on with this play, Gerard, and that's all there is to it. There have been some mishaps, okay, so there have, but we beat them all. 
And now, by Jupiter, we're going to finish the job and get all the fame and glory we can out of it. Bravo, sir. That's about the first intelligent remark I've heard from your ruby lips since this little opus got underway. Uh, thanks for the insult. I thought perhaps our producer here might get cold feet. Surprised he hasn't gotten them long ago, what with one thing and another. But I have a taste for the part I'm playing, and short of a tornado hitting the theater, I intend to execute it before an audience of my peers. Now, see here, Mr. I... Gerard, I think we should. Shut up, you impediment squirt. Trevelyan is at the courtesy of the theater. This young female is as out of place in the theater as I would be in a broad jump meet. Now, just a minute. I happen to know a little something about your business. A very little something, Mr. Gerard. A very little something indeed. If you think that a man of my talent and integrity would give up this magnificent opportunity because of a few trifling setbacks, a happy opening to you, Mr. Gerard and Mr. Kirk. And I will see you on stage, Miss Lincoln. I, I'm very sorry, Miss Lincoln. That's, that's quite all right. Where are you going, dear? To my dressing room. Don't let that old egotist upset you, Miss Lincoln. I'll try not to. How do you like that, that vicious old hand? I'm not sure he's vicious, Kirk. Even an old-timer like civilian can get upset with the sort of trouble we've had. Oh, right? nuts. Just don't show him that note you found. I'd never do anything quite so foolish. Where is it, by the way? Oh, uh, I've got it right here in my pocket. Just a moment. Yes, Friday, what is it? There's a Miss Lynn here to see Mr. Gerard. Huh? Says he asked her and a Mr. Thompson to come backstage. Oh, oh, yes, Clarity. Send her in. Okay, Am I late, Mr. Gerard? No, not at all. Oh, you know our director, Miss Kirk, don't you, Miss Lane? Yes, of course. Nice to see you again, Miss Lane. So where's Clemson? Well, he told me he said he'd be the same, but he'll be along in a few minutes. He is coming. Oh, he wouldn't miss it for the world. Mama thinks an opening night is about the most exciting thing. <laughs> what's that? Pavilion. Well, what's it all about? Fight. I told him to take it easy on that laugh during rehearsals, and now he's sore. I'd go on up to the dressing room and talk to him. Right. Uh, see you, Miss Lane. Come in. Come in. Hey, come in. Now look, and I told you yesterday to go easy on your throat. Now I'm telling you again, and for the last time, cut it out. Just who do you think you are talking to? I happen to be the director of this show. Do you know what I think of you, Mr. Kirk? Let's change the act. This time I'll tell you what I think of you. You're an insufferable, broken-down old hambone who could be replaced by any cut-rate agent in town like that. You untalented young swine. You snapped your fingers in my face. Thanks for telling me, Trevelyan. I thought it was the ruins of Pompeii. Why, Say why your you... thing, Sangali. From now on, you follow orders or I'll bounce you out on your varicose ear. We'll hold him for a beat, a turkey neck windbag. All I need is one more running with him and the... Well, what, what do you want? Excuse me. Excuse me. Well, look, get out of my way, will you? I'm... You're not actually trying to scare me with that phony pop, are you? That trick knife wouldn't cut hot butter. It wouldn't cut hot butter. <sighs> Gerard. Gerard. Gerard! <laughs>
right, Miss Lane. I think so, Mr. Gerard. It's 29 minutes after you. Why, there should have been a standby signal on the curtain ten minutes ago. Who's supposed to get it? Kurt, our director. The gentleman who went up to the bedroom press room. He's been gone a long time. He don't suppose it's just his mind. Could it? I, I think I'd better... Margaret. Close the door, Gerard. Oh, boy, yes. Boy, it's Kurt. The electrician found him at the bottom of the stairs, the dressing room chair. He's hurt. He's dead, Gerard. No. He's been knifed. Knife? Yes, the broad flat double-edged blade. A weapon that has nothing to do with the harmless make-believe of the The note. Hey, it was in his pocket. What note? It was the warning I found attached to the original manuscript of this play. No, it's gone. Where is it? Uh, probably pretty first soon. Yeah. Then it started. It's really happening. What is? I'll explain to you later. But we've got to be careful. The theater is beginning to fill up. This could cause a panic. I know. I've already warned the electrician not to tell the story. When did you last see this man alive? Only a few minutes ago. Right here in the office. He left off the civilian station. What? The civilian was rehearsing a laugh, ruining his throat, and Kirk was very angry. See, where is the civilian? One flight up. Third door from the head of the stairs. Thanks. Come along, Marco. Feel safer having you with me. Drop. Yes. I think it'd be just as well if you sent for the police. Right now. Brilliant! Brilliant! Yes, Brilliant? Me? No, I'm Faraday, the first master. And who may I ask gave you the permission to go crashing around backstage? Mr. Gerard did. If you have no objections. Any more questions? No, sir. Then I'll ask a few. What are you doing in this dressing room? I, uh, I just came out to check the Valiant's prop. Prop? Yes, sir. The pipe he smokes in the first act, the knife he uses for the murder. Knife he uses? It's a medicine. Hurt her, sir, if you'd be interested. I would be. I'd be pretty careful designing that thing. The Valiant's a very realistic actor. When he stabs... How did his knife get up here? I bogged up myself in the top room after rehearsal yesterday. Now, you see how it works? The blade goes up in the hand. It does. Yes, sir. Look again. What do you mean? I mean, this is the real article. Slaughter a buffalo with a weapon like this. Where in the world did it come from? That's easy. You can buy them about a dozen in any pawn shop. The question is, why did you bring it up here yesterday? Well, uh, I didn't know it was nothing so dangerous, sir. Oh, hello, Miss Lake. I've been looking everywhere for him. What's the matter, Mr. I saw him lying on the couch in Mr. Gerard's office. I thought he was sleeping. I touched him before I realized him. Not dead. I found Kurt at the bottom of the stairs a few minutes ago. Stabbed to death. <gasps> what was supposed to be a prop knife with a foamy blade. A knife identical to the weapon Flaherty brought up from the prop room. And I don't think even Flaherty would try to deny it, would you, Flaherty? Flaherty, where is he? Standing right there, Mr. Flaherty. At the courtesy, say goodbye. You could probably find him at Donnie's. Donnie's? It's a bar and grill up the alley with a cool conversation. Gee, thanks. Shall I go along? I now? think you'll be safer here than with me, Margo. Uh, stay with Miss Lakeman. And when Gerard comes back, find out if he got that call through to the police. Going to get the idea I'm following you around, Flaherty. Uh, What's the matter? A man can't buy himself a drink? Who said not? What do you have? What are you buying? I'll ring for the boy. Now let's talk. What about? About you. 
About how you wouldn't like to see this play open? About how you're a superstitious man by nature and figure this production has been jinxed from the start? Is that so? Don't you think murder's a pretty drastic way of closing a show, Clarity? You got any more questions? Yes. Where did you buy those knives? Now, look here, you... Well, I'll tell you. There's a young guy named Harmon with no hair and only one eye. His last name. Ah, that'll be telling. Now, this Herman, you see, is a strictly tough egg. He's a mean Herman, is. For a thin, he'd break a bottle over the back of your head as fast as he'd look at you. Yes, where's he now? Who, Herman? Yes. <laughs> He's standing right behind you with an empty fist in his mitten. If you budge a muscle, you're done. What are you talking about? Just what I said. I do. <laughs> Just exactly what I said, mister. We'll return to the shadow in just a minute. We Americans have a healthy attitude about our government. We are never satisfied with it. Our best minds spend a lot of time figuring out how to improve our democracy, how to strengthen it. And lately, a lot of these smart people agree that we've been overlooking one mighty important fact. And that is that, like charity, democracy begins at home. Think about that a minute and you'll see the wisdom of it. Who is the biggest influence in a child's formative years? His parents. Where does he get his training, ideas, values, his prejudices? From his parents. It's no exaggeration to say that the future of America is in the hands of you mothers and fathers. It's up to you parents to set an example, to teach good citizenship, to make democracy live right in the family. And here are just a few ways to do it. Think of your children as individuals and treat them that way. Respect their opinion. Give them responsibilities and duties within the family. Develop a team spirit. Let the children help make minor family decisions. That's the surest way to teach the democratic conception of the dignity of the individual. Freedom is everybody's job. Back now to the shadow. Death has struck down the director of the old horror play, The Trail of the Knifer. In an effort to discover the identity of the real Knifer, Cranston was knocked unconscious in a bar and grill next door to the theater. Now Margot leans over his prostrate form in a backroom booth. Lamont. Lamont. Are you all right, Lamont? Mm. Well. Well. Yes. Bond Grill. Hey, look, I'm sorry this had to happen. Where's Flaherty? Flaherty? Yes, Flaherty, the stage manager of the theater, the guy who just tried to crack my skull. Well, Mr. Flaherty just left a minute ago. When I saw him go out, I came in the booth here, found you. Get to the phone, Marco. Call the police. Tell him to pick up on Mr. Flaherty. Okay. Anything else happen? Oh, I don't think so. Christmas Lakeman. I'll have to enjoy it. Yeah? Let's get going. Yes, but the phone. Call from the theater. I don't want to leave her alone any longer than we can avoid. What's happened now? The audience is getting completely out of hand. Mr. Gerard has gone out to try to pacify them. Is he going on with the show? He doesn't want to, but he says he will if we can find Mr. Trevelyan. Trevelyan, where is he? I don't know. He's completely disappeared. Vanished. Come on, Margo. 
Gerard's going to have a show. We'd better find the star. Mark, what about Fred? Larry will be very well taken care of by the police when they get here, Margot, which should be in a very few minutes now. Uh, Miss Lakeman. Yes? Do what you can to get the rest of the cast together while we locate Revelion. Gerard can't hold that audience out there forever. Uh, you see, Mr. Trevelyan? Uh, Trevelyan, no, sir. Where could he be? Uh, did you look in the old green room? Could he be in there? Well, he ducks in now and then for a smoke door there by the exit. Come on, Margot. It's worth a chance. Trevelyan? Trevelyan? There's nobody here. Excuse me. He was covered the entire backstage. I don't know. Look. What is it? Old playbill. Dozens of them. These must be 50 years old, Lamont. Look, here's one. Sir John Forge Robertson in Hamlet. One even more intriguing. Presenting a new murder drama, The Trail of the Knifer. Being the authentic account of the career. Wait a minute, what do you know? What is it? Can close the door. I want to get you to look at this. Right. Listen to this, Margaret. Being the authentic account of the career of the condemned murderer, Wilhelm Bernstadt, whose crimes terrorized this city in the past winter. That would be the winter of 1923, judging by the date. What does it mean? It means that this play was based on the real-life story of Wilhelm Bernstadt, a killer of bygone days. So? Look, my girl, murderers in general, and I see no reason to accept Mr. Bernstadt, show no particular desire to have their stories revealed to the general public. Hey, you're Mr. Krantz, Major. Yes. Well, there's somebody to see you out back. See me? Who is it? Clarity. Clarity? Well, why didn't he come himself instead of sending you? He couldn't come himself, Mr. Krantz. He's got a knife in his back and he's dying. I, I gotta tell you this fast. Not much time. Go on, Paddy. What happened? He, he was following me up the alley, trying to make me go back to the theater. Who is following? Trevelyan. Trevelyan? Where is he? There's no time. Let me talk. All right, Margo. Go ahead, Mr. Paddy. We fought. He was trying to drag me back to the theater. I hit him just then. Yes? Let me have it with the knife. Knife? Where's Trevelyan now? I don't know. Maybe down below. Down below? Below what? Below what, Perry? Oh, in 1939, we did foul and... Stop. Oh. What did he mean by Faust? Clear-headed to the end, Larry. He was right. We, we did do Faust here in 39. Anything special about the production? No, nothing but hard work. Had to cut out a piece of the stage, build a room under it to make a trapdoor. Trapdoor? Sure. In his Faust, you know, the devil has to disappear through a trapdoor. <laughs> Who's there? It's me, Mr. Trevelyan. Miss Ragson. What are you doing down here? We've been looking everywhere for you, Mr. Trevelyan. I had heard about the trap door under the stage, so I came down here just on the chance. I hope you're satisfied now that you've found me, Miss Legden. Oh, what's the matter? Did something happen to you? Nothing more than a little scuffle with that renegade, Flaherty. He struck me, the boar. Knocked me unconscious. But no matter. 
The play can go on very well without a stage manager. Listen. The audience. Come on, Miss Langdon. We've got to go up there and give a performance, the best performance we can. Just a moment. Later, later. Wait. No time. The show must go on. You missed the point, Trevelyan. The show must not go on. Aye. Why, Miss Langdon, what are you saying? This time I'm going to make sure of the cancellation of the trail of the knife. What? You're a complete egotist, Trevelyan. You'd force this performance to go on over all obstacles. Force it for your own petty personal gain. But what you don't realize is that a play can't go on with a dead star. What are you talking about? This. A knife. Exactly. And this one is no prop. Surely you can't. That is, you can't. But I can and I will. Do you think I'd let one more murder stand in my way now, you spindle-shanked, superannuated warhorse? Miss Rachel. If you love good theater, Trevelyan, then revel in this. This is the high moment. The climax of the night thrust in the dark when the earth flares in final flame and the devil sits grinning on his throne. No, please, no. Play a death scene, you ham. This is your final curtain. <laughs> Who's that? Someone talking. Are you sure it's not your final curtain, Miss Laketon? Who are you? The shadow. Invisible to you, but near at hand in the name of justice. What do you want here? Retribution. Retribution for the ruthless steps you took to stop the production of this play. Not the small things, setting fire to the dressing rooms, wrecking the electrical system. But the steps you took when those things didn't work and the opening night came. You got desperate. I don't know what you're talking about. You knew Kirk was determined to proceed in spite of you, so you killed him. Trevelyan here was to be next. Because he too was bent on producing the show at all costs. But flared he got in the way, didn't he, Miss Laketon? That's not During true. that struggle in the dark alley, you missed. The night that was meant for Trevelyan landed in Flaherty's back. Then you managed to drag the unconscious star down here where you were going to correct that little mistake. Why should I murder anyone? For a strange reason, but a sound one nevertheless. You didn't want the life of Juan Wilhelm Beinstadt brought before the public again. You wanted your father's story buried in the past. Oh, father. What do you know about my father? I know that the pseudonym of Lake Town is nothing more than the English translation of the German name Beinstadt. Your father's crimes have been preying on your mind for years, and a theatrical performance of them was more than you could bear. And say it's true. What right do they have to wake all this up from the grave? To make me live it all over again in all its ugly, miserable horror? What right did you have to take their lives? The same right my father had. And I'll keep on taking lives until his name is buried once and for all. Now listen to me. Once and for all, I say. Come back here. The theater's surrounded. Come back. You haven't got a chance. Take your head off. Okay, then, that's it. I warned you, Miss Laketon. You didn't have a chance. So, it was Miss Laketon all along in trying to stop the production. Miss Beinstadt, Margot. The infamous daughter of an infamous murderer. Miss Feinstadt found she couldn't stop the production with a series of accidents. She got desperate, did it? Exactly. Kirk and Trevelyan were determined to go on with the show. So in a crazy last-ditch effort, she killed Kirk and tried to murder Trevelyan. Poor Flaherty, of course, who actually didn't want the show to go on either, was killed for his trouble. Mm. Not exactly a successful opening. It's pretty terrifying, actually. Mm. Too bad about the audience. Well, they got their money back. But they came to see a play and there wasn't any. Yes, there was, Margot. Not on the stage, but there was a drama. Powerful and tragic. Only like most real-life dramas, it was done without lights, without music. 
and without benefit of order. Everyone knows the sound of a human heartbeat. It may be yours, mine, anyone. Well, one of the ways you can keep that heart beating is to help fight heart disease. And we must fight heart disease because compared to other leading causes of death, heart disease is America's leading cause of death. Our scientists and doctors must find effective ways to combat it. They need your help. Yes, your dimes and dollars can furnish the necessary research, the education and community efforts in this all-out fight against heart diseases. So, when you're asked to give to the American Heart Association, give and give generously. Open your heart. Fight heart disease. Now, once again, back to the shadow. Copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. All names and places are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Listen again next week, same time, same station, when the shadow will again demonstrate that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, we bring you another strange and thrilling adventure of the shadows during battle against the forces of evil. The part of Lamont Cranston was played by Brett Morrison, Margot by Grace Matthews. This program came to you from New York. Stay tuned now for Quick as a Flash. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Welcome back. So, let me get this straight. She killed people to stop to stop the spreading of the story about her dad killing people. Did I get that right? And that's going to conclude our show here on I Love Old Time Radio. This program can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and our host, Anchor.fm. For a full list, visit our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com and find the best location that suits you. You can also listen to us on your Alexa device through TuneIn or iHeartRadio. Like us on Facebook at I Love Old Time Radio. Follow us on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. Comments and questions can be directed to our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com or leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so with a one-time donation or join our Patreon page at support.iloveoldtimeradio.com. Tomorrow we'll be playing a new episode of Our Miss Brooks and join us back next Monday for some more with The Shadow. For iloveoldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny. 
Signing off.